Tips Talk. I'm your host, Josh Horton, formerly of the Everett Herald. We'll just start with that news right off the bat. I was laid off from the Herald in late April after being furloughed for about a month. Um, so my time on the Tips beat at the Herald is over, which is, is really, you know, bittersweet. I'm very thankful of the time I had. The one and a half seasons, we'll call it, covering the Silver Tips is some of the best professional experience I've had in my life. And it was a pleasure to file, or follow the footsteps of Nick Patterson and Jesse Galinsky and kind of uphold this, this standard of covering junior hockey in the Everett area that a lot of markets don't have. And I can't say for sure what their plans are to cover the team in the future. Thankfully, Nick Patterson is still there, and the Herald, he's still on their payroll because um, he's a big advocate for the Silver Tips. And even then... Uh, even with all this craziness, he still had quite um, the presence of Silvertips content. I mean, he covered the Bantam draft. So give Nick Patterson a follow. Um, he's going to be a great resource for you guys. But my time covering the tips in a day-to-day sense is is just about over. Um, I don't plan on, on totally punting on Silvertips content for the near future. I still plan on writing Silvertips stories. I can't promise notebooks about the power play or that sort of stuff. And but there, there's some stuff I can write about um, that I kind of plan on doing. And it's the stuff that I think people really liked, the more human interest stuff. You know, that sort of stuff I still have a pulse on and I still want to write about and cover. So expect a lot more of that stuff in the future as opposed to some of the, you know, more granular stuff. But I still plan on doing something. I'm not sure what yet in this podcast. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it either. Um, but I could possibly keep it going and um we'll see what happens we'll see what happens and i just wanted to thank everyone that listened along to this podcast it was one of the best things i think i was able to accomplish at the herald is getting this podcast up and running interacting with fans and giving a different sort of medium for content that goes beyond the written word which I think is really important this day and age. Um, and I know a lot of people, I got a lot of positive feedback about the podcast other than, you know, more of the audio stuff, <laughs> you know, the bad audio, which is, was a work in progress. I'm not sure I ever solved that, but nonetheless, it was, it was a pleasure putting together this podcast for you guys. It was really fun and something I plan on doing in the future. Maybe not is silver tip specific, but I still want to talk about hockey, and I have some stuff in the works, so keep in, keep in touch with that sort of stuff. I, I will be, I'll be in the, in the, in the purview in some form. Um, I'm not sure what it is yet. I'm still figuring it out, but uh, I guess I'll just kind of throw it over to, to something I really love doing, and I figure this um, farewell, in quotes, episode wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be right without having some questions answered, because that's something I really love doing. It's just answering questions people had. So I'm going to throw it there and answer quite a few questions that you guys submitted to me. So I'll, let's get right into that. First question comes from Woody Wood on Facebook. Can spectator sporting events return to normal anytime soon or ever? I will say this. I'm not an expert on the coronavirus. I'm not a scientist. And I'm probably not the person to ask this question to. But I, I, I will give you kind of my opinion on what this means for the WHL in particular. The NHL is going to get games going as quickly as they can because there's a lot of money at stake, especially with these TV contracts. They're going to try to get players on the ice and playing hockey because it means dollars in their pockets in terms of TV revenue. The WHL doesn't have that luxury. 
So this leagues like this, the WHL, that rely so much on gate revenue, things are going to have to return to normal for the WHL to basically return in a profitable sense. There could be subsidizing um, from the NHL level because it is important for the NHL to have leagues like this to develop players and whatnot. But it's hard to it's hard to see the WHL returning until fans can return in in ways where they can make money at the gates and it'll be interesting to see how comfortable people are returning to these mass sporting events when things get back to normalcy i guess in society i'm sure a lot of you will rush at the at the very instance of hockey returning in in everett but until then it's hard to see hockey at, at least the junior hockey level returning until society opens up in full and people can get to the point where you know, there are 6,000, 7,000 people can be in arenas, and it's safe to do so. Kevin Dudley asks on Facebook, which team would have won the West, Portland, Everett, or Spokane? I'll say this. I mean, I am biased. I, I watched Everett for the whole season. I went to practices, talked to players. You know, I, I know more about them than I do other teams. And just my sense of how the Silver Tips are trending and the way they were playing against Portland later in the season and just the general good hockey they were playing. I, I felt I had a good sense about this Everett team. One thing I will say, Everett was a little volatile because of their lineup, if a guy goes down, you know, it's it, they weren't quite as deep as Portland and Spokane forward-wise. Uh, but their defense was just outstanding. Dustin Wolf and Nett, it's hard to have anyone better back there backstopping your team. So... I, I had a good sense about Everett, but, you know, in a playoff series, you know, things can change so quickly. You know, an injury probably would have derailed Everett a little bit more so than Portland but or, or Spokane, but I, I really like the way Everett was playing. If I had to put, like, percentage on, on those three teams, I'd probably put Everett at 34, Portland at 33, Spokane at 33. The Winterhawks were so balanced, so deep. Uh, forward wise, maybe a little a little thinner on on defensemen, but Joel Hofer, a really talented goalie, and and Spokane, I thought they didn't quite have the lineup from last year, where you had four lines that, you know, the first line centered by Jared Anderson Dolan, and the fourth line is centered by Jack Finley. You know, guys that are going to be high picks in the NHL draft. I mean, well, Anderson Dolan already is, and Finley will be this upcoming year. It's hard to replicate that, and they certainly didn't have as deep of a lineup, but it was still really deep. You know, they had impact defensemen, Philip Kral, Graham Sward, um, Bob Russell, maybe not the, the caliber Everett has, but they had a good defense. And Lucas Parikh, I mean, they made it really far with Bailey Birkin last year, and he's not playing in the league as a 20. And Lucas Parikh is a guy that was drafted in the NHL draft, talented net miner, and, I mean, Spokane was a really dangerous team, and they were playing like it toward the end of the season. So it's a really it's a coin toss. I mean, any of those teams you get to see making it to the finals, and that's something that... You know, it's it really disappointing that things progressed the way they, they did um, with COVID-19 to the fact that we won't see which one of these teams will actually um, make it. I mean, we can have uh, have computer simulations and NHL 20 simulations and all that, but it, nothing will, will really replicate just kind of the intrigue that I had um, in Portland, Everett, Spokane, and, and this three-horse race in the U.S. division. Not even mentioning Kamloops in Vancouver out in the BC division, which I both I thought had the horses to uh, make a run as well. So it's really, really, really hard to say, but my gut says Everett. 
probably my my brain was saying was saying Portland. Um, although Spokane, I mean, you can make a, a case for them, like I said. So, uh, but I I just had a hard time with with just kind of knowing what I know about this this Everett team um, and seeing the way they were playing against Portland later in the year mm-hmm. and seeing the way they were playing against Spokane later in the year or earlier in the year, I should say. Um, them not making it out of the U.S. division. It seemed like kind of their year. Um, Portland next year is going to be fantastic. Um, Spokane's window, I think, is is closing a little bit, but they still should have a really good team next year. Um, Everett will have a good team next year, but Portland really is set up for next year. And um, I think that if, if, if there is a season next year, I think that's how it will play out. Portland will be the favorite in the U.S., but it's hard to say. Jubilee asks on Facebook, or Twitter, rather, um, why do you think Montreal has not signed Fonstad yet? Um, that is uh, left winger Cole Fonstad. Um, with that being said, if he does not sign, do you see in him returning to Everett as an overager or a, as trade potential? Well, I think Cole Fonstad has not been signed by Montreal is it, probably because of his slightness. I mean, he's a really dynamic forward, great passer. Um, he hasn't really shown the high propensity for goal scoring but it's certainly there he's got a he seems like he's a, has a nice shot but for whatever reason montreal hasn't hasn't taken the bait with him and he's a fifth round draft pick he's kind of in that fringy range you know he's not a shoe in for for being signed um he might be a guy that just re-enters the draft and some team probably takes a chance on him but if he does return to ever as an overager which looks like a very realistic possibility i don't see him being a trade potential i think he's a he's a guy they build around as their first line left winger power play catalyst i mean he'd be a dynamic overager um and i don't see ever trading him unless unless gary davidson decides you know i've made a bunch of trades i've gone for it year after year um this is the year to rebuild but i still think things are pretty wide open next year and that's not really in gary's dna or at least um i haven't seen any indications of him you know thirsting for a rebuild since coming on the beat so I would, I would guess if Fonstad is eligible to return, he will be in a tips uniform next year. Ben Hemstreet asks on Facebook, do you think the lack of 2003-born forwards will be an issue going forward? And do you expect Good Branson or Lambert to return to the team next year? I don't know entirely if the 2003-born forwards will be a big, big, big issue going forward. I mean, these things are so cyclical in junior hockey and Everett has dipped out of assets and i think this 2003 born class was just hampered by the fact they didn't have a lot of picks in the 2018 bantam draft uh fifth fifth, no fifth round no sixth rounder they used their second rounder on zellweger third rounder on ty gibson fourth rounder on carter halmanderas who's been traded so it's they just didn't have a lot of capital into the 2003 born forwards um and don't forget about brendan hunchak um he was signed and he's a he's a listed guy they like a lot so I would expect all three of those guys to be in the mix. They'll have to prove it during training camp. That I mean, that's the case for any 17-year-old. You don't make training camp. If you if you have a bad showing in training camp and those practices in the preseason and those preseason games, you're not going to make the team. But I think they'll get they'll they'll all three of those guys barring a trade or, you know, something happening in between now or in training camp. All three of those guys will will be given a chance to make the team and Everett's really high in that 2004 born class and they went really forward heavy. And there's guys that are not quite in the mix yet. Matthew Ng, James Hong, um, any of the guys that they listed and brought to training camp, they were really high in that 2004 born class. So if 
some of these 2003 guys don't work out, they might be able to supplement it with some of those 2004-born guys. Um, and then, of course, Austin Roos and Ben Hammerling, who I, I think will have a really good chance of making the team as 16-year-olds. So we'll see. I mean, it it kind of comes in waves, and with the way Ever operates, you know, they're not going to have a, a good crop of 2000 or forward forwards or defensemen every year. Uh, but it seems like Gary is is uh, Gary Davidson. That is 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 pretty intent on um, supplementing his roster with trades every year, um, and they can maybe find some depth. I do think that is something Everett will need next year if they if they do contend on contending. Um, is to find a little depth in that forward lineup. Maybe not a top six, you know score um i think they'll they'll probably give some other players a shot to be those types of players but you know they could they could use some depth at the forward spot um especially if if some of these guys aren't ready to play so i mean what what gary davidson does um from now until training camp or i guess the start of the season you should say uh will kind of tip his tip tip uh tip his hand in terms of what he thinks of those guys and how likely they will be uh to contribute next year Rob Briggs asks, what level of will Wolf signing have on Holt in the upcoming season? Well, Wolf, his signing to Calgary, um, which was well-earned, I, I should say. Dustin Wolf has been just been a modicum of consistency over the last two years for, for Everett since taking over for Carter Hart. Uh, I don't think it will have too much of an impact on Holt the upcoming season. I think Holt will, will kind of be relied upon to do the same thing he was this year. He's going to be the backup, and he's a guy that they're kind of grooming to be the next guy. And I don't think this year will be the different. I mean, now that Keegan Karki isn't in the mix, uh, come World Juniors time, assuming Dustin Wolf comes back to the WHL, which he has to, uh, considering the NHL CHL agreement, he can't play in the AHL next year. So unless he makes the Flames as a 19-year-old, which would be a really, really interesting uh, development, but one I don't see happening, considering how fickle goaltenders can be, and you know. I don't think teams like to rush goaltenders up that early. Wolf will be with the Silver Tips next year, and he'll probably be back at World Juniors and Team USA, and Holt will have the net. So um, it'll be it'll be his net next year, assuming World Juniors happens. Um, that's kind of the only difference, but Holt's going to be the backup, and he's a guy that Everett really likes, and they see him as the goaltender of the future. So he'll give he'll be given chances to start and whatnot, but. It's going to be probably Wolfie's net uh, next year, uh, no different than this year. Ryan Sherwood, who uh, has been a, just a fantastic resource over the years and a great person I love seeing around the rink. So how's it going, Ryan? <laughs> he says, how are you doing How are you doing since the stay-at-home order has been in effect? During your time covering the tips, what has been your favorite moment that you've either witnessed or a person or a part of? Um doesn't have to be a moment that happened in a game it can be a behind the scenes moment what was your favorite part about coming to the rink um a lot of questions there ryan thank you for those i've been doing well since the stay at home obviously my work life has been impacted greatly uh since the coronavirus pandemic hit and the uh outlasting impacts it's had on the economy has obviously made an impact on, on my job and the fact that i got laid off but I've been doing well, um, staying sane and staying safe, and that's really all you can ask for in this day and age. I'd say my favorite moment was probably going to the WHL, WHL draft last year in Vancouver and seeing Dustin Wolf get drafted and seeing Gianni Fairbrother get drafted, because that's really what this is all about in junior hockey, is seeing those guys kind of you know live their dreams out. And to see that materialize like that was, was pretty cool. I mean, that's pretty special, and it was a pretty... 
uh, unbelievable event to to see and cover and you know see guys like um, you know Sam Constantino and see you know these these high level media members that you um, you're, you just kind of it's interesting to kind of run into them and, and be in the same press room and in the press box as them it's fascinating stuff so that was a really unbelievable experience for me my favorite part about coming to the rink was just you know just talking to Silvertips employees that you know it wasn't always about you know you know what's going on and you know you know which guy's about to make the team which guys isn't progressing well it's just kind of those casual conversations just how are you doing um how are things at the office you know how are things at home you know that sort of stuff just making friendships with people around the rink was really special and it was just it was just a fun experience i just love getting to know people and getting to know people behind the scenes kind of like ryan and and some of the other people of the silver tips organization was really special so um I'd say that's about my favorite part. I mean, just having those pregame media meals uh, were, was pretty fun. Um, seeing guys at practice and being able to, to chat it up for, for a couple minutes was always special. So I guess that was my favorite part about coming to the rink, and I hope uh, there's some there's some more special moments uh, in the future. Um, we'll see when things come back to normal, but I plan on uh, – Going to a couple more tips games in my day. Next question is from Angela Thomas. She asks, what impact do you think the short season is going to have? Not only is there a long period of time without the benefit of the gym and coaches, but the experience in gameplay. Um, we have boys wanting to improve themselves as scouts in the draft, showing value to earn more minutes. And the missed opportunity for the cup, how do you think this will shake out for our guys? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I mean, it's not like uh, the tips were disadvantaged more than any other team. Um, I guess you could make the argument with some of the draft picks that Everett shelled out and they were poised to perhaps make a run for a WHL championship that they were given kind of the raw, a raw deal by this whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic. But it's, it's hard to say that, you know, one team was disservice more than, more than another. This is impacting people far beyond hockey and just junior hockey in general. Um, I will say in terms of the draft, I was really curious, you know, I was working on a story um, the last couple of days of my tenure at the Herald before I was furloughed about how these players that were draft eligible were, were preparing for the draft and wasn't ever, wasn't ever able to write it and kind of finish it. But Gage Gonsalves kind of told me it was kind of funny um, how he, his draft preparations have just totally pivoted. Um, and that was in early March. So you know, they, they don't have access to, you know, the gyms and the ice that they, they were able to, and obviously the coaching staff. I don't know. I think scouts kind of know the players, especially, you know, the Western League scouts. They know the players well enough that a playoff run or, or, or wasn't really going to impact their draft status too much. I think teams are had kind of figured out, you know, which guys they liked, which guys they didn't. Um, so any probably changes in the draft would would have been marginal um i'm not sure anyone could have you know risen up draft boards really quickly but all, all four of the guys i expect to be drafted will probably be drafted and and um in fairly high i mean anywhere from probably second to seventh rounds for a lot of those guys and you can really kind of see anyone falling within that spectrum probably some more likely to go early like casper pudio some more likely to go later like michael goot but It'll be really interesting to see how, how it goes for all those guys. Um, it is really interesting and fascinating, all the assets that Everett had the had the shell out this season. I'd ask Gary Davidson that question, you know, uh, like like I said, kind of toward the end of my um, 
time in the Herald, that was another story idea I had is, you know, how, how Everett is going to, you know, how Everett's kind of handling the, the lost season when they, you know, gave up so much to, to make a run this year. And he said, you know, whenever you make a trade at the deadline, it's, it's a risky, um, proposition. So the fact that they, he gave up a bunch of assets for Ty Cole and, uh, Casper Pudio and guys like that, and they weren't able to see that whole season through, you know, it's just part of doing business. Um, so he, he wasn't bitter or kind of lamenting those decisions. I think if he had to do it over again, he'd probably do it over again. But that's kind of the way Gary Davidson rolls. He likes to augment his team through trades and he has not been shy in doing so. So I'd expect him to do more of that in the future. Debbie Putnam asks, will we have a 2020, 2021 season? And ooh, that is way above my pay grade. Uh, I tend to say yes. There's a lot of money at stake and a lot of, I mean, possibly the leagues at stake. I don't know if the WHL and the CHL could afford to have um, another year without a season. That would be really tough on on the purse strings there. But I, I tend to say yes. It might not happen until January, at least the start. It might be a shortened season, but nonetheless, I, I think there will be a season. Casey Davis asks, "What's your personal favorite Silver Tips moment?" Uh, I I would say the draft. Um, going back to my previous answer to Ryan Sherwood's question, but uh, I also really like training camp and getting to know some of the scouts and some of the prospects, and that's always that was always a really fun um, couple days. So. Those are, those are my two favorites. And Anna Hyatt, last question, asks, what can fans do to help the teams during this time and support? You know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, it's really, I would, I would say just, you know, do your best and <laughs> stay positive and um, reach out to people. Just, just make the world a better place, I guess. Um, you know, there, things are so much bigger than hockey right now. Um, I mean, the world is basically on pause, so uh, I know, I know the, the team, I just, I'd probably just say stay patient. Um, hockey will be back on the other side of things. If things, uh, go plan out the way, you know, people expect them to. So just maybe, maybe buy a couple things at the pro shop. I'm not sure how exactly you can, you can help and support during this time. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it's, it is a really interesting time for, for everyone involved. Um, you know, myself, hockey teams, you know, the world at large. So I would just say, just hang in there. Um, I'm sure there's someone that can correct me if there is, you know, a more formal way to, to help junior hockey teams like the silver tips. But I would just say, you know, maybe buy some, some merch, um, you know, that sort of stuff always helps. Um, I know you can't really buy tickets right now, but when tickets go on sale, that, in influx of, of revenue would probably help um, once you know things start getting back to normal. So, you know, teams are, teams I, I I can imagine are hurting. Um, I would I would be shocked if if a lot of teams are are a little bit further in the red than they expected to be at this point in the season. So, uh, it's it's tough times out there, and it's a good question. I wish I had a better answer for you, but that's kind of kind of where it lies um thanks everyone for listening to this episode i appreciate it i'm not sure what the future of this for this podcast holds but um i might have some episodes in the future might not we'll see but it's been a pleasure um if it, this is the last episode getting to answer some of your guys' questions and using this medium to augment my my coverage of the team and and i'm not going anywhere i i, I expect to write some more silver tip stuff maybe in a maybe a lesser uh quantity than before but 
nonetheless, thanks everyone for for joining and uh, listening along over the years. And stay tuned uh, for more stuff in the future. Thanks, guys. <laughs>